and it is Jesus who makes this a glorious day. Welcome to this morning's broadcast. Glad you could join us. Today we consider real life examples of people who have held on to Jesus. We'll also see the great benefit of holding on to Jesus. True growth from God. And now, Pastor Robert Elliott. We will be defrauded of enjoying our prize of Jesus Christ if we fail to hold on fast to the head who is Jesus Christ himself. But if we instead will hold on tight to the head who is the Lord Jesus Christ, then we will not be defrauded of the security and of the joy of Christ being at the center of all our earthly blessings and Christ being at the center of all of our heavenly rewards. Self-awakening, the denial of cravings for salvation, self-one removal of suffering, godless living to gain oneself relaxation and peace are all really letting go of Christ and thus are really empty, dead-end religious philosophies and efforts. So where do we get the rose bushes? Okay, I admit it. I planted a, a shrub bed in the front of our last home that was humongous. It looked great. It had a little sweeping curve to it out from the house, rather dramatic. The problem was I couldn't possibly keep up with the weeds. And so if it got hot enough and the weeds got looking bad enough, I fired up my gas uh, line trimmer, my weed eater, and I weed ate all the weeds. And sure, for the short run, they looked good, they were gone. Of course, all the roots were untouched by that lazy man's effort at weeding. And the weeds all came back. But this one time, when I was weeding in my front shrub bed, I hit a rose bush with my weed eater. But it wasn't completely severed. And for some reason, when I cleaned up the stuff that was in the bed from the weed eating, I either didn't see that rose bush or I decided to leave it. I can't remember this time which it was. But anyway, it was there. Much to my amazement, about three weeks later, when I was looking at that flower bed, here was a lovely red rose bloom on the end of the rose bush that I had almost rendered a mortal blow to with my weed eater. But apparently part of the rose stem was still intact and sap from the rose bush's roots was able to go up that stem, transfer through the wound that was really a cut job, got up to where the bud was and it opened. It was a beautiful red flower. That is a picture to me that if we hold on to Jesus, even by a thread, we can be fruitful. There's hope. There's a lot of things in life that can sever us off, not completely from Christ, but there's a lot of hardships in life that can damage us as rose bushes. So maybe we are drooped, maybe we are felled, but part of us never loses contact with Christ. There are people I've met over my years in ministry in all of the churches I've pastored that are an inspiration to me when I think about this concept of holding fast to Jesus against all odds. 
I think of the pastor friend of mine who's been laboring in the ministry of a church and hasn't received a paycheck for close to a year. And yet, he leads his family of young children in a way that they are not bitter against that church and they are not bitter against the Lord of that church, Jesus Christ. Holding fast unto Jesus. Or I think of the family who tucked their healthy six-year-old daughter into bed on a school night and she was found dead in her bed the next morning. They've held on to Jesus and now, years later, they've healed enough to lead the grief share ministry for the bereaved in their local church. Holding fast to Jesus. Or I think of the person who was raised in a home of abuse and now finds him or herself in a hard marriage. And I think of that person who has come to me with tears in eyes and thanked me and thanked me and thanked me for instruction to study God's word by God's spirit, to understand it accurately and to apply it to life. Tears of joy to learn how to do that, holding fast to Jesus. Or I think of the person who has seen so many doctors and endured so many cases painful treatments with very little improvement and help, and yet this very person goes on Facebook and posts love for God, hope in God, scriptures, promises of God to her friends on Facebook. Or I think of the woman, the widow, who has been virtually abandoned and left to die by her own family. And I think of this woman who decided to hold on to Christ, although her family decided not to hold on to her. And she taught herself New Testament Greek as a senior citizen. And she spends hours in the New Testament being fed by Jesus Christ. Or I think of the person who is divorced, but that person has gone past pity and anger to press into Jesus Christ like crazy. And now that person, and I've watched, and it's sincere and it's consistent, that person only wants it to be about God's glory. Everything in life about God's glory. Holding fast to Jesus. These are examples. Or I think of the person who has been crippled by an auto accident. And this person has decided to let the word of God inform every thought, every evaluation, every perspective that the person has in life. Holding fast to Jesus. Or I think about the person who was born with some physical disabilities but has since decided to take on an interest in people most marginalized and most ignored by our American culture to take the gospel to those people. Or I think of the person holding fast to Jesus. Could I be thinking of you if I knew your circumstances? The only people in this congregation this morning that do not have any troubles or problems are the people we don't know very well yet. We all have troubles. We all have problems. 
We all have an intense need to hold fast onto Jesus, right? To hold fast onto Jesus. And will you notice the benefit of holding fast unto Jesus. When we will choose to hold fast to Jesus, then we will have growth, which is a growth from God. A growth which is a growth from God. I want that. I want a growth that is a growth from God, don't you? A growth which is from God. This is not puffed up growth. This is not self-asserting growth. This is not proud growth. This is not flashy in the pan growth. This is not free from trial and pain growth. This is not superficial growth. This is not gimmicky growth. This is not merely appearance external growth. No, growth which is from God is dying to self-growth. It's heart change growth. It's lasting growth. It's Christ-magnifying growth. Growth, which is from God, is life-transforming growth. It's sure to build up other people, sure to bless other people growth, this growth, which is from God. This growth, which is from God, is growth despite spiritual warfare, growth. And now, today's personal God story. This morning, I'm pleased to introduce our listeners to a new friend of mine, uh, Christopher Gibson. How are you this morning, Chris? I'm nice. How are you doing today? Very well, thank you. I, uh, I met Christopher at our church building on Collins Avenue, and we had a nice conversation, and I could tell he's a genuine man, and uh, he happens to also be a handicapped man. And tell us a bit about um, where you grew up in Nassau. Well, I never had my own place, not my mother, so we were moving up and down. You moved around quite a bit? Quite a bit, yes, sir. But but always in Nassau? Always in Nassau. So you, you've seen a few things here over the years? I'm seeing plenty of things. <laughs> How old are you now, Christopher? Well, I'm I'm 55. Well, you can't see this on the radio, but he doesn't look 55. <laughs> he looks younger than that. Thanks. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. And uh, how did you come to lose your leg? Well, I have diabetes, and I had a scratch on my thigh, which I never take care of because I didn't know if it was sugar. And I had a bad infection, then I had to lose my leg. Oh, my. How long ago? What year was that? That's about uh, 16 years ago. 16 years ago. 16 years ago, yeah. Wow. So you were in your late 30s, roughly. Yes sir. yes, sir. Wow. So life has changed dramatically that you're on crutches. Oh, big time for me. You know, when you can't work to help yourself, it's difficult. So, in other words, you have to lean on God all the way. Right. Now, you're strong of body. You're not a, a slight man. You're strong. Because I ask God to keep me near the cross and keep me strong that I could be a blessing somebody else. Yeah, and I tell you, you are a blessing. You've got a million-dollar smile and uh, <laughs> Thanks. and a great heart attitude. Now, Thank but tell you. me what it's like, because many of us don't know. You are a younger man, you are physically strong, but you happen to have one leg, mm-hmm. and you want to do some work. You mm-hmm. go to ask to get a job. I and mean, what, what often happens? Uh, people don't look at you equally. And, and if they want to give you a job, they put all, all the things in the way that it. I went looking for a job at the gas station. And the guy told me, I don't probably give you a job. But if the gas didn't catch a fire, how is going to get away? This and that and the next. Okay? Which that shouldn't, that shouldn't be. Yeah, so do you feel that sometimes 
that might be an example of someone making an excuse for not giving you a job. That's really what it is. And then sometimes, too, it'd be like people discriminate handicap people. They don't give you a fair shake. So they kind of prejudge you that you can't do something? When you become handicapped, if you you have no more value. No more value. Yes. And that's sure wrong because we're all made in God's image. That's it. That's right. And our worth isn't dependent on what we can do for a living. The way I look at life, right, being handicapped, I can do all things through Christ Jesus. Yeah, that's right. That's for sure. He can give us all that we need to do what he wants us to do. Yeah. Um, You were telling me off air that oftentimes handicapped people in Nassau don't live very long. But discrimination, people discriminate against them. So so they don't get the same help that other people do? In other words, even being handicapped, you got people want to fight you and all. Really? Yes. Because you're handicapped, they pick a fight? Yeah, they want to take advantage of you. They know they they could do it to you. Like to rob you, you mean? All that involved. Wow. that's involved. I had no idea. All that involved, yes. And generally speaking, I know you can't speak for every family, but generally speaking, what do you think? If a person becomes handicapped... Uh, do, does their own family rally around them and support them in a special way? In all family, like, you have some family care for handicapped people. And you have some again, they just don't care about you. You see, when you, when you become handicapped, you know, you're not much helped to some people. It, when you become handicapped, you're you may not, not be able to help others as that's much? That's what I'm saying. Oh. So they take a person with a good heart to look out for you. Okay? And that's the way, that's the way it really is in the Bahamas. Yeah, you know what? <laughs> I think that's probably the way it is all around the world. It could be. Right? Could that, be. that a loving heart is like Jesus' heart. Mm-hmm. And when we love people, then we accept them the way they are. Thank you. Yes, that's what it really is, yes, ma'am. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is there anything else that you think our, our radio listeners should know about being handicapped in the Bahamas? Well, being handicapped in the Bahamas... You have to trust in God. You can't put your faith in any man, woman, boy, or girl. Mm-hmm. You got to trust in God. Because only God got an answer for your problem. Right. He's got all the answers. Okay. And he loved the blind, the handicapped, the crippled, the deaf. He loved all of us. Amen. When people don't look at us, God remembers. <laughs> That's for certain. So when we trust in God, we have nothing much to worry about. He promised us that he'll help people. They take care of us. Amen. And what I want to say about it, handicapped and old people, people don't have time for them at all. You take, for instance, some parents, they school their children, and they take good care of them. But when they get old, they drink them in the old folks' home. Just forget about their mom and never dad. Go, never go back. They wouldn't take, pay them a visit. If that person of Christ and her, him or her life, they would die. Mm. But to the grace of God, I'll strengthen them. Amazing. That's a good observation. That's a sad situation when the senior citizen or the elderly person is, is forgotten even by their own family. That happened all the time. Mm-hmm. Every day. You got some more people right now, Christmas coming, they don't see their family, their own children. Mm. And make them worry and make them grieve. But to the grace of God, just hold them up. That's, that's fantastic that you have that understanding. I know that earlier, uh, that today even we spoke about heaven and how the only way to going to heaven is through Jesus Christ and what he did for us on the cross. And, um, that heaven is a, a gift to be received, but not a, a, a reward to be earned by good works. But 
The truth is that when we've received forgiveness by faith, when we plan on knowing we'll get heaven by faith in Christ, then it ought to change how we live now. It ought to change how we view everybody, and maybe especially as you're throwing light on it today, Christopher, how we view persons with handicaps that are around us everywhere. Well, well, for the way I see it, it's when you trust God, everything becomes better for you. And if God, if God was like man, all of us would have been dead. All of us. <laughs> right. But God, he look at our fault, and he forgive us. For Jesus' sake, he does forgive us. But humans, they... Let's say, take for instance, if you commit a crime in the Bahamas here, they hold it against you until you're dead. Hold it against you until you're dead. So there's no chance no more for you at all. Mm. And that's very wrong. Because because God is not the kind of God. He's a forgiven God. Amen. You know, it's interesting. I, I've been learning more that this radio program is being listened to by persons who are imprisoned mm-hmm. from jail. Mm-hmm. And uh, you're right, that Jesus Christ is the one who can forgive the prisoner can forgive the person outside of prison. Jesus Christ is the one who's paid for all sin, and we need to run to him and accept his love and his sacrifice on the cross. Mm -hmm. Christopher, it's a delight to know you. I really appreciate you taking some time this morning to come on the radio with me, and uh, I'll continue to look for that smiling face around (laughs) Calvary Bible Church, all right? Thank you very much, Pastor. (laughs) You're welcome. I always appreciate you. In Jesus' life on earth, there was a time when some lawyers came to him and They asked him questions, and uh, this one occasion in Matthew chapter 22, this is what it says at verse 34, but when the Pharisees heard that he had put the Sadducees to silence, they gathered themselves together, and one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him, teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and foremost commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said, when it all comes down to it, the most important thing a person can do is to love God with all they've got. And then the second most important thing a person can do is to love people with all you've got. We want to be a church that does that and We want to be a church that encourages our city to do that. Heavenly Father, we are grateful that your love was such that you sent your only precious, perfect son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to earth to live amongst sinners, to live amongst those that have been rebels, and that Jesus loved us enough to die on the cross to pay for all of our sins. Thank you that as we trust him, we're made new. We're given his life and his perspective on life. And Lord, I just pray that you'd forgive me of my sins when I have turned the other way from someone who had a need, perhaps a disabled person. And please forgive our listeners, Lord, who may have done the same, who may have um, not been as compassionate or helpful to a disabled person as we should have been. Help us to love everyone with your love, and especially as we thought of it this morning, to love disabled persons with your love. Bless and help Christopher continue to provide for him and guide him in his life. And I just thank you for the blessing he is. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Today's Help for the Hearing segment is brought to you by Calvary Bible Church's Christian Counseling Center. The center is located at 58 Collins Avenue, Nassau, Bahamas. If you would like an appointment, 
or more information, dial 323-7000. That's 323-7000. Or email them at cccbahamas at gmail.com. And now, the Executive Director of the Christian Counseling Center, Pastor Frederick Arnett. Thank you again for having us in your homes again, cars, boats, wherever you are. It is indeed a privilege for us. The last time we talked about suicide warning, today we would like to talk about some of the common uh, misconceptions about suicide. Again, Helen is here with me in the studio. And what are some of the misconceptions you will say that we hear from people when they talk about persons who are suicidal? Uh, before I address that, last time I mentioned about uh, one of the signs was giving away prized possessions. And I recall an incident where someone left a gift for me. And uh, I knew at the time they struggled with suicidal ideation, so I decided to go out and chase after this individual and also look for a significant person who knew the person well. Mm -hmm. Because I think with suicidal um, ideation or whatever, you don't go unilateral, you try to get as many persons involved. It's not something that you want to be a big hero and keep to yourself. So I sought out this person and they confirmed that they knew the individual was suicidal. And finally I caught up with the person. I said, yes, you've left me a gift and we talk and I'm happy to say, you know, with your intervention too, that person really, really came through and didn't carry out the plans to commit suicide. Because if you recall, they had a plan. Yes. They and it was a, a lethal, plan. Yeah. it was a lethal plan. If that was carried out, that would have been the end. Yes. Because we went to the site of where they said this would be carried out, mm -hmm. if you recall. Yes. Yes. So I think it's very important to not be afraid and also not to act as a hero, but get as many people involved, especially the key, the significant people in, in, in the, whether it's a friend, a good friend or family members, get them involved and see what you can do to help the person. If I recall correctly, um, I know that they tell us, you know, don't tell a person who is suicidal that they are going to be missed by their families. But I remember in this particular incident, I talked to her about her daughter. I said, what kind of impact you think this will be on your daughter? And if I remember correctly, she said that was what really caused her to rethink the yes, whole situation. Yes. So I agree we may not do that, but I believe sometimes we need to listen to the Holy Spirit yeah. and follow through with what will cause them to start thinking soberly about their intention. So give no, us well, I, I think, uh, I just want to interrupt that for a minute. I think we have to look at every case 
differently. Yeah. yeah. Um, one size doesn't fit every. Yeah. That's right. So um, I have to look at your case. I have to look at whoever and then do an assessment and come to, you know, realize that this person is unique and their case is different. Yes. But to say I'm going to use the same tools or the same intervention. For everyone, it does it, not It doesn't work, work that way. Right. And I think when you decided to speak to her about her one and only child. Yes. And you know she loved her daughter. Yes. That was when she really, really step back and thought, you know, gave it some thought, you know, if I carry out this plan, what's going to happen to my little daughter? That's right. Because you remember, daughter was in primary school. Yes, yes. So I'm grateful that, you know, you you really did that intervention and spoke to that, and that made all the difference. Yes. Well, let's look at some of the, the misconception about suicide. What are some of the things that people say about suicide? Would you like to... Zero in on some I think of one of the fallacies is people who talk about suicide won't really do it. And that, you know, isn't true. Because most everyone who um, commits suicide, they, they spoke to someone about it or several people and they might have been smiling. And I think this gives people the, you know, impression, okay, she or he was smiling or we were at the party last night and he looked so happy. And sometimes it's just a mask they're wearing and they have their plans mapped out. Because going back to our friend, she, when she talked about, you know, what she was planning to do, she didn't all the time look depressed. No, no. Sometimes she wore a, sm- a smile. In other words, we, 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 we need to make sure that a, a person who is suicidal, when they mention anything like that, they're trying to get your attention. But it's not all the time that we are focused on that, and that's the reason why we should take every individual who talks about suicide very seriously. Yeah, you want to err on the side of caution, and you want to um, be there, but non-judgmental, okay? Mm-hmm. So... I think we really need to, like I say, err on the side of caution and take every threat Okay, as reality. Okay. Uh, another uh, one is there are those who say that the person have to be crazy if they're going to go that far to commit suicide. What do you say to that? I disagree. Um, most people are not psychotic or insane because, again, um, the person in question that we mentioned earlier, she wasn't psychotic. Or insane. Uh, people have t- seasons where they're just depressed and they have loss, loss of employment, loss of a relationship, going through a, a divorce, especially an unfriendly divorce where there's a lot of animosity. It can really take you for a hurdle. Okay. And the last one are people who commit suicide are people who are unwilling to seek help. No, people are sometimes in the already in for help, but a counselor to us to pick up the signs all the time. The signs are highly visible. Right. They can be shrouded with again expressing happiness. Okay. And so, if that therapist or counselor gets derailed with, oh, my client seems to be happy, 
and their marriage seems to be going good, that could be the very time they planning this and trying to get you derailed. Okay. Thank you very much for uh, having us again, and we will continue with this next time, God's willing. You have been listening to Echoes of Calvary, a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church, Nassau, Bahamas. Our morning worship service begins this morning at 11 a.m. in the sanctuary located on Collins Avenue. We encourage you to join us. Feel free to write us at eocradio at gmail.com or P.O. Box N1684, Nassau, Bahamas. And remember, everyone needs a savior.